0: Um, so, where I'm talking from is basically what we've been talking about up until now, which is no margins. And as we know, uh, margins are things, um, I think the animation came on, uh, something that simply separates. And up until now, we've talked about margins in the sense of um, things that we marginalize and we keep away from uh, Christ, we keep away from God. So, these are things like um, God is allowed to come into maybe our education at a particular point. Or maybe he's allowed to come into our lives when times are hard and we need him. Or maybe we put him into the corner when it comes to something maybe so, so small, so, so serious. Something we believe that if this one is not fixed, this one is too special, it can really rock us. We keep that one to ourselves. Or maybe we keep our, um, things marginalized away from Christ that may be things that we may not be so proud of. Things that we believe separate us from God. So we keep that one to ourselves. We don't share with a single soul and we don't share with Christ, and we keep that marginalized. At the same time, also, we talked about things such as um, marginalizing people in society, um, and saying, I can only um, hang around with this particular person. I can only speak in a particular way with these particular type of people, and in that way, you're keeping the goodness inside of you from the people that are around you. And at the same time, also, we talked about margins and how we marginalize people also in our family, for instance. Um, This week in Cruise, we were talking about it, and I realized that, one thing that I marginalised in terms of my parents was my mom. I kept her away from my education. In the sense that my mom panics a lot. So, one thing that, I was born in Ghana, so they flew me over here real quick, they said come and get an education, cool. But one thing they told me is get good grades and don't do drugs, and as long as you're doing that, you're good. Now, that being said, my mom, whenever things seem like it's not an A star, she panics. It's like, what are you doing? What's all the sacrifice and all of this? Like, we put in so much work and so much time. So because of that, what's going on during the year? Because if you see my during the year grades and you see what's at the end, you won't think what at the end will come. So, you know, in order for you to be at rest and be at peace, I won't let you know that the E's and the D's and the U's that I'm getting in class and uh, uh, whether the teacher's saying, now parents evening is where they'll probably find out all of these things. Like, you know, you sit down and then the teacher's like, so Justin, what am I going to say? And you're like, uh... You know, he's good, but, you know, who do we need to keep you away from? Oh, yeah, Mark and Tom. and yeah, Do you know what I'm saying? You know, you sit to the side a little bit so you don't make eye contact with him. But those sort of things is when my, my mom would find out. And I marginalize her in that way. But well, I think there's an importance in um, breaking a particular myth about God. And I think it's a myth that we've held for so, so long. Whether you're here and you're in Christ whether you're here for the first time to experience who this God is or whether you're one of those where I've known God but I'm somewhere right now. There's a myth that we've accepted about God. And I'm here to sort of, I believe that God really wants to break that myth about himself because believe it or not, this is not something that he has put out there about himself. We've accepted it about ourselves through ourselves or other people have put it on us. And one of those things is I remember during last week, I have a nephew and a niece um, Nathan and Nora that are three years old now Nora um, Nathan he's beginning to you know sort of get into his own persona his personality and this is where they bec- just start talking any anyhow anything they hear on Pepper Pig they'll just be repeating back to you and stuff so I'm talking to Nathan I said bro listen do this be a good boy and Nathan said no I want to be a bad boy I said nah god forbid you're not a bad boy I said, So we started going back and forth, and I'm realizing I'm arguing with a three-year-old. But here's the case where when he was one, when he was two, if you said, be a good boy, I want to be a good boy, so you do it. But as he began to grow, he's growing into his own person. So there are things that he knows about you, which are the do's and the don'ts. There are things that he's heard about you, which is in order for me to be able to do this, it's do this and you're good. Don't do this and you're bad. But here he is, he's developing his own personality and he's standing in. and he's saying, I want to be a bad boy. In other words, what he's saying is, I want to do my own thing. I don't want your do's and don'ts. I don't want your, you must do this in order for m- to see that I just and love you, which is really not the case. When he was dribbling on my arm and he couldn't say anything, I loved him anyway, right? But as he's grown, he thinks for him to merit my love, it's a thing about do's and don'ts. But now he's telling me, That I want to do my own thing, but the way he's doing that is saying, I want to be a bad boy. And I think that's the one thing that we inherit about God from the very beginning. And it's not something that he puts out there for himself. If most of us are correct, we realize that when we began to shape an image of God, it was a do this, 10 commandments. You must do this, you must do this, you must do that. And that's cool when you're young. But as you begin to grow up and you realize that I have the power to do said thing. And this thing makes me happy. And all they're telling you about God is he accepts this and he doesn't accept that. So it's so binary. You're either here or you're there. You're either in his love when you do, and the moment you don't do, you're outside of his love. And as we begin to grow, you realize that you fall into somewhat of three categories which is, as we grow, we made our own choices, maybe made our own mistakes, or we've done things that are correct. You realize that I want to be closer to God. But what they told me about him was, you do this, you do this, Ten Commandments. But if I look at that Ten Commandments and I realize that maybe barring do not murder, I've canceled all the other nine out, how will he accept me? Because that's what I know about God. You do this and you don't do that. So I want to come close to him, but I'm too filthy. I'm too unclean. I can't do this church thing because everyone that goes there swears by the Bible that they do good. They don't tell you what they're doing in the background. They don't tell you what's going on when they go home and they realize that even my knowledge of the do's and don'ts, I don't come up to scratch. So then they fall into the other bracket, which is those people that are like, um, do you know, what? I don't merit up. I'm trying. I'm trying. And I keep doing things that are bad. So do you know what I'll do? I'll plug myself into church on Sundays. And then that should probably appease that part of me that wants to do but cannot do. But at least they will see me doing something. And then the other side of people are, do you know what, actually, I get to do my own thing on the other side anyway. And then when we hear about Christianity, when we hear about things to do with God, it's those people do that. And eventually we start to get um, ideologies, which is um, we begin to justify what we're doing in order to separate those who are in Christ From outside of those who are not in Christ, those who go to church to those who don't go to church. And we've been doing things all this time and you realize that there's one thing God has not said, which is I put this margin here. No, we created that. We put that margin there and we said the only knowledge of God that we know is he does and he does not. But did you hear Christ himself say that to you? But I know that if you open up these scriptures and you begin to open and you open and you open again, it doesn't merit up to a God who said, in spite of what you've done, I'm coming to die for you. That's not a God that would then separate. That's not the same kind of God that says, whilst you were yet still in your sin, I came willingly. I did not consult you and I came to die for you. That's not a God that would then say, because you do this, I no longer love you. But when you do this today, I love you. it doesn't match up. And I'm going to basically talk about a particular story, um, And it's birthed out of um, the verse in it's Luke uh, chapter seven, verses 37 to 50. And it's the story about our lives, as I would put it. It's the story about the lives that we continue to sort of live, the lives we live through ourselves. The lives other people try to make us live through them and the lives that we tend tend to try and live through God. And if we go to uh, Luke chapter 7 uh, verse 37, can we get it on the board, on the screen? Luke 7 verses 37. And there's an importance in something there. I'll begin to narrate the story as I go along basically. Well, if you open it, I'm sure if they can't get it on the screen, have most people open. Luke chapter 7 verses 37. Um The first thing that we find, uh, let me open there myself actually, just so that I'm going along and not saying the wrong thing, you know what I mean? Um, So, okay, Luke chapter, we'll start from verse 36 actually. Um, And if we're there, can you say aye? Aye, okay, if you're not there, say wait on me please. Okay, cool. So, um, verse 36 actually, so just one before. Um, I'll read from here, and it says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come and have dinner with him. So when Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat, and then whilst he was in his home, everyone say, while Jesus was in the home, a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there. A certain immoral woman. Yours might say sinful, yours might say something else. But it says, behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... And learned that he was reclining at the tables in a Pharisee's house. So she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Um, and standing behind him, his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she began to what, kiss his feet um, while putting perfume on there. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this, were, if this man, this Jesus that we knew who he was we saw him preaching on the street we saw all of his miracles we saw him claim that he was the son of God and we of a particular body who don't accept him and think he's blasphemous we see something about him that we're going to invite him into a house but once a sinner a woman who was a sinner an immoral woman came and sat at his feet and did something that they were not used to they said if this man was a prophet he would know what kind of woman was touching him for she is a sinner. And that's the kind of lifestyle I believe that from the very beginning in trying to harbor a knowledge of God who is a God of do's and don'ts. We end up either developing into um, the people who are narrating the story, um, the Pharisees or the women um, themselves. So the people who are narrating the story and notice one thing, that Jesus has not come in yet. He has not spoken about this particular woman but the person who's writing the story about them did not use their name did not call them a woman did not call them and describe them the woman had beautiful looks or maybe she was a sad they said she was an immoral woman sinful not God's declaration but man's declaration that this was a sinful woman that was coming inside and so much so to the point that this woman heard that Jesus was inside of that house And she wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. But those who knew God to be a God of do's and don'ts have seen this woman come inside of their house and come into their presence. And they said, we do not want this woman in our presence any longer. So let's describe who she is. Let's not see that she is so sorrowful. Let's not see that she may be crying because something very strong emotionally is moving inside. All we saw was this was a sinner at the feet of Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't want to accept that this woman is a sinner, well, let's question who he is. Because we can clearly see that he's a sinner. We can clearly see that this woman doesn't belong inside of church. We can clearly see that the lifestyle that this man is living is contrary to what we know. So if you will not see that, then we have to question the kind of God that you are. But notice up until now, Jesus has not spoken because they've called her a sinner. Jesus hasn't said anything she's come to see Jesus but everyone else has taken it upon themselves to let her know that you are not welcome here why because they feel like you live a particular lifestyle or you do a particular thing that is not pertaining to the God of these and those that we know but if you knew who Jesus was if you knew up until that point even lepers come towards him and they were not allowed to touch anyone and he touches them and they get set free. So up until that point, you've seen all of that, but when it did not line up with who you are, when it did not line up with that image of God that you know, which is a God of do's and don'ts, a God of do's and don'ts, you realize that I don't want this thing in my presence anymore because I've attained a level of self-righteousness that makes me a little bit elite. Do you get what I'm saying? And most of the time, if you be honest, whether maybe you won't be honest and say, okay, I fall into this bracket. But I know you for you'll be honest about your parents and their parents' friends and their churches and them falling into that bracket. Because when you came with your ripped jeans, people <laughs> looked at you a certain way. The first day I put a line in my head, they said, hmm, he's joining a bad gang. Do you know what I'm saying? When you decided that, do you know what, Jim is working out. Let me make sure that, let me wear something that, you know, maybe wrap around the leg a little bit more. What did they do? Your pop saw you at the door and said, where are you going? I want to sing in a choir like that. My friend, go and change that. you know what I'm saying? But here is the case where that's what we've developed into, a God of do's and don'ts. But up until this point, there is one person. And they're speaking about this one person. We have people speaking for God and saying, you are not welcome here. Our flesh is speaking on behalf of God and saying, you who used to pray and pray this much, you who were confirmed inside of the church, your parents used to take you to the Anglican church, your parents used to raise you up, reading the Bible all the time. I used to read in a choir. Your flesh is telling you that and it's saying you are not welcome here. Speaking on behalf of God, but up until this point, who has not spoken? God himself. Up until this point, there is one person that has not uttered something and that person came to see them. Well, isn't it funny how sometimes your flesh, people around you can make it seem like the person you came to see is not around, but he's standing right there. Because they're seeing it through their eyes. They're seeing it through the God that they think they know. And the emphasis is on think. Because if you really knew him, he would say, let all of the little children come to me. Simple, not let them come when they dress nicely, not let them come when they are sin free. That's one thing that God does not want you to do to come when you're sin free. Because then, what does He do? What does His blood do when you come when you're sin free? What does His blood do when you come when you have no mistakes or you want to wait until the perfect time where I feel like I've been on a streak on my Bible app for 14 and it hasn't broken? And speaking of which, I know a little technique that people be using. And I don't I don't really want to bait people out. You know, mm, I should keep it. Let me expose. Basically, what some people do is Huh, I sh- I shouldn't. I should expose, okay. What some people do, and you can't be looking at everyone with crazy numbers on their Bible app like, like Lord, I'm falling. People will now reverse the date back on the iPhone. So that it will now tally up and then they'll put it in and now they're on fire. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I here to do. Well, wow. so you can't be looking at and if you do that from this, don't say Justin taught you how to do it. No way. But that's another image. You can look at people like that and you can say, um, so on this Bible app, I've been reading for 500 days. Have they been reading for 500 days or they've lived the life of do's and don'ts. And if you're not reading your Bible so consistently, then that means you're not close to God. So therefore, what are we doing? We're time traveling. <laughs> In order to make sure that our numbers, but at the same time also I feel their pain because when you lose your streak on the Bible app, it hurts. It hurts. Because it's like you're tallying up your game score, your game score, and it (laughs) all goes away. Because maybe one day you you decided, oh, do you know what, I was a bit tired. Or use your paper Bible and here you are. But at the end of the day, there is one thing, one person hasn't spoken, but every single other thing has spoken on their behalf every single person has told you what church is like every single person has told you what God accepts and what he does not every single other person has told you that do you know what God accepts A sin B sin D sin E sin F sin you do what H sin nah you've got to get that one away before you can step in here but the only other person that hasn't spoken is God himself and I'm not even talking sometimes it's not even a case of other people are speaking sometimes it's your own flesh Your own self is telling you, yo, until you get this one under control, you will never be where you want to be inside of God, bro. When they tell you that, you know, where you were when you were back at uni and everyone surrounding you was, you wanted a motive, everyone is going here and it's Christian. So you went along with them and they told you that that's where your Christianity was this high. But what they don't know is when you're coming in and you're trying to really engage, you're really, really trying to worship. And what they see that as, they see you on the altar and you're crying. And you're crying because, Lord, I feel like I, I'm, I'm a disappointment or where I used to be inside of you, I'm not there anymore. Or what I've done this week, if people knew, they wouldn't even let me stand up here and play or sing. Or they wouldn't even let me pack the chairs. Or maybe if they really knew, they would have stopped me right at those doors and said, you can't enter. But what they don't see when you're sitting down, you try to worship, you put your hands up, it wasn't going. So you sat down and they said, you see? This is the reason why he hasn't come to church for six weeks. She hasn't come to church for six weeks. So you see, she can't lift up her hands any longer. And people are using that to describe you as an immoral woman. Well, here is what Jesus says. And one thing that I also realized is um, when you read this version of the story in Mark, the Pharisee whose house Jesus went to is Simon. And Simon was the first one to speak. But when people describe Simon in the Bible... They don't describe him as just a person of the law or just Simon. They describe him as Simon the leper. So imagine if people in church are labeling you, people out there are labeling you, and they're telling you what you used to be, what you used to be, what you used to watch, what you used to do. Imagine they used to call you what? Timmy, the fraudster. And that's all they ever know you for. And every single time, imagine if if I was coming to you, um, 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 uh what's it uh deliver this word for instance and burns knew that in year eight i missed the penalty that cost us the final and he said just in the penalty misser, do you know how heartbreaking that would be and he invited me up here but that's what people in the bible or people that knew god as a god of do's and don'ts reminded people of their past just so you know as you come in here grace is what's dragging in here But what you have to have is that tag of here I was once upon a time, the one who used to be depressed, the one who used to self-harm, the one who used to be so addicted to so many things they couldn't even count anymore. The one who's been used and abused, the one who's been hurt by church, the one who can't speak what they're thinking or what they're feeling inside of their mind because those around will not accept. And people remind you of that all the time. But let you be the one. Who gets that broken off you? You want to be the one to now look at people and say, because I know God is a do, of God of do's and don'ts, I have to be able to point out this person and say, do you know what? You don't match up in this way. But up until now, guess who hasn't spoken? And every single other person is speaking for him. So God, Jesus decides to address Simon. And the first thing he says to him is, Simon he says his name. Where people call you Simon the leper, I call you Simon. Where people are calling you the one who was severely addicted to ABCD, I just call you my daughter. Where people called you the one who used to be, um, um, has a list of girls this long, I just call you my son. Where people said you were unreliable and people right now are even saying, do you know what, Maybe you studied the wrong thing. Why can't you get a job? They're giving you this list of so many things that are letting you doubt the God that you serve. But he just calls you son or daughter. And he says, Simon, go ahead, teacher. And Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay. So he kindly forgave their debts. Who do you suppose loved them more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he cancelled the larger debt. And Jesus said, That is right. Then he turned to the woman and said, uh, Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. So that's where I've titled this message, Through His Eyes. There are no margins through the eyes of God. What you're doing is not separate. Just because you worship from your heart and your hands aren't lifted like the person next to you. As long as you engage, there is no margins inside. Or maybe you realize that once I give my heart, actually, what I do expressively, outwardly, is also not margin. Maybe you can't contain that. But what you do in the presence of God and what he sees, he doesn't put a separation in that. He doesn't say, I accept this form of pure worship where he shouted and he screamed or where he came and his clothes were clean or where he walked into church and actually he looked church ready. Or actually he walked into church and he hadn't missed a day of church versus this person that came who said desperately I came to connect because people don't walk here just for banter. It's Sunday. United are playing. They're probably losing but they're playing. Someone could be doing something else that they think is more important. So as long as they walked themselves into here, you don't say they felt guilty for not coming to church in five weeks or Etc. etc. But through his eyes, if you knew what God was seeing, when you dragged yourself out uh, out of your depression, when you dragged yourself out of, you know, I've been in this place for too long. Let me try, church. If you knew what he was seeing, if you knew that there was no separation, no margin, when you for the first time in your room, you decided, let me try and pray. And you were trying, and when you were trying, and you're like, back in the day when I used to lift my hands, the heavens open, but I'm trying. And you're thinking of yourself, I'm a sinner and I've gone so far. That's the reason why I can't pray. But if you knew what he was seeing in that time. So right now they've seen the woman streaming tears down her face. They said she couldn't even get a cloth to wipe his feet so she used her hair. She came into the house, she didn't even knock. Why didn't you knock? You just came, burst into the room like that. And on top of it all, you and I know best what you do. And you brought this expensive perfume. And in other verses in the Bible, people are saying, actually, she could have just, if she wanted to do something nice, sold this perfume and given it to the poor. But here she is doing all of this that confirms to everyone that she's a sinner. But here is how he sees it through his eyes. He said, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet or to dust my feet. But she has washed it with her tears the tears that you sworn she was crying because she hasn't been to church for seven months and she was probably sinning for those seven months. He said, that was the water that washed my feet when you didn't give me any. He said, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time she came in, every single thing she has said to me has been a kiss that I expected from you. Every single complaint. Every single thing I saw when she tried to open her mouth, but her, prayer, her, her, her spirit and her flesh would tell her, actually, this is church. You're not allowed to speak. This is church. They do things a particular type of way. This is church. What do you know about church? Jesus said, every single time her heart tried, it was a kiss to my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my head with rare perfume. Your presence in his presence, has been all of what he needed because when he came in, those that were supposed to anoint his head did not. But through his eyes, what they saw to be so, so, so sinful. What they saw was not coming up to scratch where it's like, okay, now I'll just settle for, you know, sort of being Christian. I'll say I believe, but, you know, when I go to church, they treat me a particular type of way. Therefore, I will buy into the the knowledge that, you know what, everyone in church is actually not that good because I tried I really tried to connect. But the person next to me, actually, it was supposed to be loving, but it didn't show me. Therefore, that must justify everything that I know. And we are comfortable letting them accept that knowledge and that view of who God is when God hasn't spoken yet. When we've marginalized, but he hasn't yet. Every single margin we put inside of the love of God, only one person has not put that margin, and that is God himself. When did he separate you? Romans eight verses thirty eight said, "There is now no, there is no separation, nothing that can separate you from the love of God, not our words but His. And when I say nothing, add something to it. It's not a nothing but it's not a nothing. but, you know this one here can separate you. It's not a nothing, but this sin. if you go near it, it separates you from the love of God. No, he said absolutely nothing. and if' from, from, if you're from where I'm from. And we believe certain things about, he says, and there is nothing, not in this age, nor the age to come. Nor angel, nor demon, nor anything you think is so strong that is going to break the love of God that God has for you and for everyone here. There is not a single separation that's going to come in. So he said, I tell you her sin and they are many. And it doesn't matter how many times you count your sin and you say, Lord, you don't know. This person, this person, I did this, I did that. Actually, I deal with this and people do not know. I gave that testimony and said I was free, but actually I'm still dealing with it right now. And he says, it doesn't matter how many times or how many sins you say, I will show these three sins to people in the name of vulnerability. But this one here, I keep it to myself. He said, you know the number and you in your mind think there are many. But he says, it doesn't matter how many I tell her. Your sins have been forgiven because she has shown me what? Love. She has shown me love. And the person who is forgiven little, little um, it shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Can we give God a round of applause for that? And he turns around to her and he says, your sins are forgiven every single one of them from what you thought made you sinful from before when you piled upon the sins of your father the sins of your mother the sins of your people before you he said your sins are forgiven and then this is what marvels me he says the men at the table who I'm sure they thought they knew who Jesus was because they were speaking for him though you told everyone that you can do this, but you can't do this to come inside of God. You told everyone that this is how God loves. You told everyone that this sin disqualifies you. This sin qualifies you. You told everyone. And you let people know. Even in your state of sin, you told people they had to carry this label in order to remind them of where they've come from. Well, in verse 49, they said, Then those at the tables, who at the table began to say amongst themselves, Who? is this who but I thought you knew him I thought you were speaking for him you say to your flesh your flesh is now saying who is this but I thought you were telling me that I couldn't come into the presence of God the way I am that I had to go back and try for the 167th time to fix this particular sin and say to yourself I said to God how many times how many times I will not be back here Well, 170th time, I'm here. And my flesh is telling me that you have to try 171 to try and fix it. But now you're telling me, who is this? It Reminds me of a time um, I chose A-level physics because um, my dad and his twin brother, when they come together, it's like, they just, nothing stops them. So they'll just be doing this, this, and that. And they told me a story about how they were, you know, I fell for it. Forgive me. But they told me how they were top of the class back in the day. (laughs) And then they said, um... My dad said, in Ghana, no teachers were teaching them. So he said, your dad did chemistry and I did physics. So I want you to do chemistry and physics. I said, yeah, if you lot can do it, come, I'll do it. And I remember uh, AS Mechanics, I sat the exam. And I've never, like, I lived about 40 minutes away from school. After the exam, I walked all the way home. (laughs) It was raining, I had no hoodie, bro. Ah, It was so sad. And I got home, and my dad's twin was there. And I spoke to my dad, and I said, oh, dad, it didn't go well because, boy, it didn't go so well that there was one kid we were sure was going to repeat a year. And when he came out, he said to me, bro, did you get this answer for this question? And I was so vexed because he got, he got that answer, right, when he said it to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so when I walked home, my uncle said to me, um, so my dad, I told my dad it didn't go well. And then my dad told my uncle to come and spoke to speak to me. And my uncle said something that I told him. I said, uncle, I need to be alone right now. He said, oh, you know, the same happened to me. Um, you know, we didn't have teachers, so in fact, I actually go at you. <laughs> and that's, that's the same sort of question he was basically telling me. He's like, yeah, I, didn't, like, I don't know anything about this physics, basically. And that's the same reaction that I would have to these people when they're telling me, you told me everything about God. When you started off my story and you began to narrate it, you knew my name, you didn't call me by my name. If you didn't know my name, you could have called me what Jesus called me, which is this woman so lovingly. But you led with this sinful woman. You wrote another version and you wrote this immoral woman. You said, in this city, there is one sinner. It is this woman. And now you're telling me who is this so you don't know him you clearly don't know him as well as you do and this is what he's saying about himself that this woman here what I saw through my eyes that you guys thought was sinful was very worship to me when she was trying to break through prayer that was worship when she was crying Because she thinks she's done something wrong and she's standing before someone that is so holy, that was worship to me. When she just walked into the room and she brought something that was so precious, in her vulnerability she said, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, I didn't say anything. All she did was kiss, wipe and cry. He said that was enough. And that's the kind of God that we serve. So I'm breaking the myth today that says this God has a margin that says you do and you don't to merit his love his love is illogical absolutely illogical if you want to stand here and actually think about but God why would you love me when I come from this particular place my dad my mom before them their mom their dad they all did everything that I'm struggling with right now we're not worthy of love he's saying I love you and you too are worthy of love and that's what separates what he has from what man can give because we are conditional but God right now is disqualifying every single thing you think disqualifies you he has disqualified every single thing you think disqualifies you and that's the God basically that we want to introduce today no more of the God that people are giving to you that says actually this is what church is about church is about one thing that for God so loved the world, the absolute world. I know you think you are the world, but it's not only you inside of the world. It's the person that is next to you that is struggling with A, the person next to you struggling with B, the person after that that has a long list longer than what you think you have. He said, The world. That he gave his only, one and only son. That all you had to do is believe in him. And that's it. That is it. The extracurricular activities that you thought church was. God gave himself one parameter. That I love you. I'm pursuing you. I'm chasing you relentlessly. And I'm giving you nothing but love. And all you have to do is believe that that love is yours. So can we rise on our feet please. Um... Um. We just want to, we just want to, first and foremost, come to God in the way that we know how. And we want to come to God, not in any special way that we've been taught, not in any way we think he will accept, not in any way we think that if we do not do this, the presence of God does not come down in any other way give him that which is your true your true your true true worship which is God I'm coming as I am if you want to let him know every single thing that you battle with in order to come to church every single thing that you battle with the things that you've done that you're not so proud of the things that you're dealing with right now as we speak that you can't say to another person if that is what you want to whisper inside of his ear and say irrespective of that heard of you and they say you love. I've heard of you and they say that you love not just because you love but you love so unconditionally and that's it. You don't have to see a special thing happen but we believe that that is it and that God didn't desire for anything supernatural or anything extracurricular that you had to do in order to merit this free love there was a God in heaven that saw you inside of what you believe to be your filth, what you believe to be the reason why you deserve not to live. And he said, I love you anyway. That what had brought you uh, um, depression, what had left you feeling like I can no longer do this, God, because I loved God, I was with God, I was for God, but God has left me. When I went through said situations, And I cried out to him. And I stopped halfway because maybe he didn't hear me because I'm not right. Or maybe you're saying that I once upon a time felt like I was so close to you. But no longer do I feel that level of closeness. All we're saying today is God himself, he loves you. And he loves you in spite of in spite, in spite, in spite of what life has given you what life has given you in spite of what has been life so far He loves you what you thought life was going to be and it's not in spite of that He loves you in spite of every single one of your mistakes so we're inviting anyone you want to know this authentic love of God for yourself or you want to say God I feel so far away from you to feel like i'm so close to you again if you want we've got a prayer team here i would love to be able to pray for you and when you see them and you want anything anything in prayer just say to them what we're just asking for anyone whether you've been in god before whether it's your first time or whether you feel like i need to get closer to him if you can kindly just make your way to the front of whoever is not coming out let's just to the side so you'll find a prayer team over to the side. But apart from that we just want to be able to just speak and pray in your own words just begin to offer a prayer to God in your own words just begin to speak to him let's begin to speak to him about what you've heard today and you're asking that he show you he show you a true a true a true a true version of his love a true version of his love, a true version of his love. A true version of this love that does not separate. That irrespective of where you've been and what you've done. Father God, we just say thank you. We worship you for this word that you've delivered, oh God. And we thank you that your word knows no bound. We thank you that your love knows no bound, oh God. And We pray that this word will settle inside of hearts. And do what only you can do. And break every single chain. Break every chain of anxiety, of depression, of unworthiness that says we are not allowed to come back to God. For that alone, we just say thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.